I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. Today on Exploring the Prophetic, we have one of my good friends, Sean Foyt, who is a missionary, artist, speaker, author, activist, and he's actually founded several worldwide movements. One of my favorites, Burn 24-7, which is a global worship and prayer movement that launched out of his dorm room, really. And it's all over the world now, over six continents, hundreds of cities. He also has Light a Candle, which is a global missions and compassion movement, bringing light, hope, and healing into the hardest and darkest places, war zones, Syria, Iraq. Uh, Indonesia and some of the hard places. So I love that Sean will go after it. I mean, he will go after it. He has tenacity. I love that because he's heard from God. And we're going to talk about that today. But also something that was more recent is he started a political uh, ministry or a campaign or group. We're going to ask him what it is. Hold the line. It's a political activist movement seeking to rally the global church to engage their civic duty to vote and stand up for causes of righteousness and justice in the governmental arena. And I think this is really profound because this worship leader who's recorded over 22 albums, authored five books, created all kinds of resources, and really created movements, is now steering a lot of his energy towards helping Christians to understand their place on the political mountain, if you understand the seven spheres of influence or seven mountaintops. And his wife, Kate, is fully on board with their beautiful children. I love his four children so much. And they live in Redding, California, are part of the Bethel Music world as well. So I'm excited about today's episode, especially if you care about po- politics or God assignments in industries or places you haven't been before, you're going to love his story. Hey, Exploring the Prophetic Family, we have an incredible new resource for you. My new book, Provision, Prophecies, Prayers, and Declarations is out now. I wrote this book so that you would have a very specific tool to help you use words to define your own history and future with God. Throughout human history, we've seen prayer and the prophetic and declarations shape society, set culture, provide heritage, and bring vision for the future. And when you combine prayers, declarations, and prophecies like you encounter in this book, you become even more intentional about the power of words. Prophecies, prayers, and declarations are instrumental for us to enter our promised land. This book, Provision, Prophecies, Prayers, and Declarations, will cover topics in finances, resources, family, influence, favor, business, and more. Through this book, I'm inviting you on the journey of learning how to use words to speak in the very fabric of your life, the spiritual realm, and the world around you. I pray that you'll find yourself using and reusing this book as you hear God speak to your heart. You can get our book anywhere books are sold, but if you get it at bullsministries.com and you pre-order it or post-order it, you're going to get a very exclusive teaching series. So I want to encourage you to get it there. Welcome to Exploring the Prophetic. I have one of my dear, dear friends, Sean Foyt with us. Hey, Sean, how are you doing? What's up? (laughs) You uh, keep yourself pretty busy, and I know that because I not only follow your life, but I'm your friend. You're everywhere from, you know, all the burns you have, which is part of your ministry around the world, which is worship and prayer movement. Some of them meet monthly, some meet weekly. Then you go to war zones, and then you just recently got off a leg of investing into the political arena in California where you ran for Congress and learned so much and are still working into that arena of the political world. So how are you doing? Man, it has been a wild ride, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Every time I'm with you, like it's it's like a tornado of information in a good way. It's just God's <laughs> doing so much. You're living in dog years. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, something like that. Totally. 
Well, let's let's go into a couple of things because people who don't know you um, or the burn talk about that just for a second. Like, how did God get you to start this, you know, international missions movement that so many people are involved with? And then let's go into like maybe one of the stories. Let's talk about the burn and just how you started this international missions movement before we get into the political career and some of the war zones you've been to. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. We kind of accidentally started this this worship and prayer thing out of my dorm room in college, and we. Oh wow! Uh, you know, I was in in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the time at or or Roberts University, and um, I had come out of an amazing community on the East Coast where we were really pressing in for revival and the presence, and there was a kind of a fresh prophetic thing happening. But it wasn't until it it, it kind of in my dorm room when I was in the middle of business school, you know, uh, planning to, to really make a life in business and real estate that God really crashed in and begin to ignite our hearts for day and night worship. And this kind of grassroots movement that began in my dorm room, then moved across the street to a coffee shop, which is where all good things begin. And the caffeine helped fuel the fire. <laughs> and then, uh, it, kind of exploded across the Midwest and really as it began to grow around the world and these communities began to take this this fire of worship and prayer, then the kind of the next wave was the Lord really uh, burdening our hearts, showing us his heart for the nations and that this worship and prayer movement wow. wasn't just unto, you know, a new cool fad of worship, but it was unto reaching the hardest and darkest nations. And that's really what began the burden um, you know, in inside of us to go to some of the hardest and darkest nations in the world. We started out, uh, and I took I think thirty worship leaders to Indonesia. That was my wow. first trip uh, um, wow. from Bern, and uh, then we began to plant long term people in in really difficult places. And we kind of launched uh, what's now become our missions extension called Light a Candle which is kind of our missional arm into some of the uh, some of the craziest places in the world. And let me let me back up just a little bit, because a lot of the people who would go with you on these trips, they're just like you and I, there's normal, mostly American, sometimes from Europe or something. And their original dream wasn't like, I'm going to go into Indonesia or Syria. Their original dream was, I'm going to be a worship leader. I'm going to I'm going to change my nation, not necessarily go to these other nations, but there's something catalytic as you've led this ministry that causes people to see the marginalized and the persecuted church and to see like God's heart there, which is so beautiful that it's not just we're worshiping vertically, but we're actually receiving back from God, his compassion and empathy for people who would have never been reached if we hadn't touched his heart in that place of worship. So I just, I commend you for that. I think it's so amazing. Talk about one of the times that you went, that was one of the more dangerous times personally, because you even brought your family to Iraq, your little kids to Iraq. You've gone into Syria when it was not safe to go. Not that it's safe now. You went into North Korea. I mean, I've I've been yeah. in North Korea. I have not been to Iraq or Syria, but I mean, like these are crazy places. Yeah, I mean, I I went. I was in nine eleven. Probably the first one of the first wave of foreigners to go into Afghanistan after nine eleven. So we've been we've been wow. in really really wild places. I think for me, you know. Our our whole journey into engaging in Iraq specifically, um, it goes back to when the uh, the big statue of Saddam was torn down in Baghdad, and that was actually um, during the Second Gulf War that we were on the ground for the first time shortly after then. Um, but then God began to awaken this 
this burden again in me. And it actually began um, kind of when ISIS really came on the scene. And this kind of ties into, you know, a moment where I really clearly heard God's voice. We were, I'll never forget, I was getting on a plane to go to a worship school that we started in London, England. And I was on my phone uh, looking at the news and, I don't know, scrolling through Twitter. And I accidentally watched the accidentally watched the beheading video of James Foley. And I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to click on it. I wasn't like trying to look for it, but it just kind of popped up on my screen, you know, when your phone kind of freezes and you can't do anything. And I just literally watched the beheading of this journalist, which was kind of like ISIS, uh, ISIS's entrance on the, on the global scene of terror. And that was the video that really sent shockwaves around the world. And it was a, you know, it was a, it was a British, uh, you know, they call him G- Jihadi John was the guy um, that did it. And and I remember, I remember flying through the whole night um, to London and I couldn't sleep. Right. I was like just I was just filled with this righteous, uh, almost this righteous indignation, like really. And it wasn't directed at a specific person or people. It was directed at the powers and the principalities that were controlling the beautiful people of Iraq that had been under so much devastation. I mean, you go back to the Saddam era, you know, he, he, he murdered many people think 200 to 250,000 helpless uh, uh, people in that nation, you know? And so, and that was Yazidis and Kurds. And, and this was the same thing that was happening again, another way with ISIS. And so I felt like I was just writhing with this righteous anger. God, how is this happening in such a beautiful land as Iraq with so much historical significance, biblical significance? And I felt like the Lord said, you know, become the answer, like do something then. And so that was wow. when we knew as everyone was fleeing, a lot of people were fleeing Iraq and ministries were leaving. Obviously, it was there was a safety issue. We felt like the Lord was calling us to actually go in. And that's when we started to raise up a team. And we ended up launching just a few months later, we ended up launching a long-term team that's actually still there on the ground today through so, all of this, the, the height of ISIS and the craziness of, of that whole era. And again, the first kind of team that I met some of the team members, I mean, they were like just these worship girls, you know, like that went over that didn't have a lot of experience and uh, in this kind of environment, but they've just thrived and seen salvations and seen like, I mean, some high, you guys have seen high level salvations of like Kurdish army, you know, generals and leaders and crazy stuff. It's just like, I feel like it's sometimes I I hear your stories and it's almost biblical proportions, (laughs) which is so awesome. Well, let's switch gears a little bit because in the midst of all of this that you're doing, you ended up moving to Bethel in Redding, California. You you didn't move to Bethel, the church, you moved to Redding, California and joined the Bethel music world. And uh, during that time, you really got gripped with California. And I remember being with you in May, I think it was in May, a couple was it a year and a half ago or two, two years ago. And you had this like burden hit you because of a conversation with someone for the state of California and for politics. Let's talk about how that happened, because I love how God can prepare you for something you don't even know you're being prepared for and how some of the, your journey, because I, as your friend, as one of your good friends, I can see this legal side of you, this political side of you, that's a good political spirit, not a bad one, where it's like this advocate, this fighter, this almost like a lawyer I see that side of you and I so champion that side of you. But when this happened, it, it's made total sense and it made no sense. So let's talk about that. Yeah. I, you know, I think that 
for me, I feel like that the best way to steward the prophetic, and maybe this will be encouragement to those of you guys out there, is really to respond in obedience and just say yes. And I think that whether whether it looks like rushing into a you know, a war zone or whether it looks like, you know, uh, you know, even down to things dealing with your kids or whatever, whenever the Lord, you know, moves in those ways, when we respond in obedience, I feel like it makes that voice that much louder and clearer. And so when, when I got this word of the Lord to go into the political world, I mean, it was so left field, man. Like, I mean, I've always been engaged in politics and I've loved watching the State of the Union since I was a kid, you know, the president's speech every year. I've always been a diehard patriot, but I never thought of myself as a politician or even entering into that world until this word came and it happened in LA and I won't go into the whole thing, but it, 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 it ended up being a launching pad for us into really kind of an unknown, crazy world. And I think I feel like just as much as we were called to go into the hardest and darkest in you know in in, in some of the nations and some of the war torn nations and rescue kids in India and some of the other things that we do, um, you know this also was a dark realm and probably you know now that I look back on that season I think this is probably the darkest realm um, that I feel like that the Lord's ever sent us on assignment into. And, you know, especially being in California, especially being in a state that is, you know, oftentimes so left that it's kind of off the map. And um, especially the values that I hold, um, family values, I'm conservative and, you know, and, and, and I, I believe in the goodness and the call of God on America. Um, and, and running in a state like this made yeah. the distinction even more that clear. <laughs> um, it wasn't like us yeah. in the West or in Texas, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in California and, and, and I, and totally. it, a big part of our heart was, is the revival history in this state and the things that God's done and the moves of God in this state. And, you know, why should we abandon the political realm and throw stones and, you know, and, and angry tweets, why don't we become part of the, of the change and become part of the solution? And so for me, this, this, this was almost like becoming a fulfillment of my own prayers, you know, praying for righteous leadership and godly leaders and all that stuff. And I just never thought that, that, that I would be the one to respond in that way. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting because there was probably you know, four or five major prophetic voices like Chuck Pierce and, and even Kim Clement before he passed away that said there's going to be a large move of Christians who go into politics, especially in America. And so when you were going in, I was just curious because I've, I've heard about maybe 10 other stories of people running for local mayor or people who are running for, you know, a city seat or whatever. And it was just really encouraging. And maybe that happens all the time. And I was, it was the first time I heard of it, but because I was more aware because of you, but I just felt like you know, if we're a church and we want to see transformation and we want to see God, Jesus, like actually get his reward, we have to change things. We have to be willing. And I think the church has been so separate from state issues and we're seeing the effects of that now. And I think the next generation is really going to fight. Like, like there's something on your life that I think you're a bridge for this next generation to go, no, this is not, this is status quo is not okay with us. Like we want to see something change because there's already such a movement of justice and the hearts of the next generations. I mean, like your, your little kids and my little kids are geared for justice. They're geared for like, why is this wrong? Why is there not enough food in the world? You know, it's like, well, there is, but there's corruption. Why? You know, so I, I love that there's something that God hardwires generations with 
and I just see you as such a forerunner in a message. So how are you working on that right now? I know the the Congress um, campaign ended and, uh, and it was just kind of like you got your feet in the water. What are you doing next with that? Well, I think it, it opened up this whole new this whole new kind of world for us. And, you know, I, I kind of was scratching my head thinking, you know, I knew it was a long shot, you know, uh, for me to win. But I felt like it was it was less about actually winning the seat, which I may run again at some point. But I think it was more about being heard and having a voice. And I mean, yeah. there were so many doors of favor that opened. I mean, we were, I was in, in the Oval Office speaking to the vice president and the president about a congressional race in California. And neither of them could actually believe that a long haired worship leader was running in California. I mean, you should have seen the look on both of their faces when I was telling them about it. <laughs> and so, and so it, was, it was really cool, I think that the Lord would use an unorthodox approach. And I think it's actually interesting, the fact that we, that we, that we ran in California, being who we are, a millennial, you know, young, long-haired, like I, I think that that actually was, gave us so much traction. I mean, when we launched our congressional campaign, you know, the, the, the consultants and the advisors in D.C. were saying that we had more traction when we launched uh, than most presidential candidates when they when they when they announced their run for you know for president and I think it's really just because it was so kind of like it was so wild for yeah. to think that that was possible and so now I think our next steps is we're really just trying to steward that influence uh, the do- a lot of the doors that have opened you know I it, I begin to have a relationship with senators and congressmen and 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 people on the hill and lawmakers and governors and and it, it was really amazing it was incredible to see one the hunger of god in these people um i think sometimes we can look at the political world especially right now in in this in this season and we can you know easily you know make shots at how godless it is and how no one cares and how it's just uh, you know these no. guys all they care about themselves and actually if you look on the uh, occupations of trustworthiness in America right now, uh, nurses and doctors would be like the highest up and the lowest ranking in trustworthiness would be congressmen, members of Congress. Um, so yeah. I think there's this inherent thought, but it's interesting that, you know, the more that you get into it, the more that you see that God is working and he has people, he has Holy Ghost, spirit-filled, inspired called ambassadors in these different branches of government and so one i was realizing i was one for me i was realizing the the need to build a movement which is what we're starting on right now a movement of 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 people that will actually engage in the political world and believers that will not just whine on facebook and rant and send memes around but will actually engage in the civic responsibility to bring change so, I mean, that's my heart, but also understanding that God has a storyline that he's writing and, 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 and he has people in positions right now that would kind of blow your mind. You know, some of the things that we were able to do, especially in California. Yeah, it was funny because when I was voting um, in the last, you know, that last uh, election period, just primaries, um, I was the only one in line because I actually went physically to vote. And I'm in Studio City, California, which is right in the heart of liberal, you know, agenda. And I'm sitting there talking to um, one of the school superintendents who she was voting as well, uh, to an actor 
and his wife, who's really well known, I won't say who it is, but it was like, I was shocked he was in line just to vote, you know, but it's Studio City. So we just go down to the school and vote. And I'd missed the online voting. So I just went down there because I wanted to make sure to vote. And I was, and we all stood in line for two and a half hours because there wasn't a lot of voting poll places open. And because of the new system they have in California. And it was so interesting to get to the people's hearts and hear their passion for their state. Like these were good people, totally right. different politics, like who they wanted. They probably wanted Bernie for president, you know, like that kind of thing at the right. time because he was still running. But the the heart of passion or righteousness was so strong in them. Like they were voting because of passion. And I just thought, God, you could so easily appear in our hearts and show people how through other Christians, especially show people who you are and how you're worthy. And it's part of our job to do that. And I feel like these people like would make the best followers of Jesus if they knew who he was, like none of them were religious at all, but they'd make the best followers of Jesus because they were like more passionate than a lot of church people. And that's what I feel like you represent is like, there's, I remember at one point you told me that the church just doesn't vote in California, like literally like there's statistics to prove the church doesn't vote. And I just sat there and I thought, wow, when we're talking about hearing from God, one of the things that we have to really go back to is we also have to just obey the Bible and just obey our our God consciousness that he's put inside of us, which is to do things like interact with the areas that would cause his goodness to to land on space, like like land, like California, like the state or whatever state people are listening from or whatever country. And voting is part of that. Like, like we have a responsibility and it was really interesting when you said that to me, because I thought the people who are in line with me, like I'd want to be their friend in the right circumstance. Like I'd want to be around them because they were so passionate, such powerful people. And I just thought most of us have like an us and a them because they're on the different side of the fence politically. But if we could see them and their value, and if we could see the value of voting, we could change everything. And one, literally one or two elections, the Christians in just California could change everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, Christians in California, Less than, you know, the data shows that less than 20% of, of Christians uh, in California are, are even registered to vote. And so, um, you know, the, we do a lot of complaining and, and I, I'm lumping myself into that category because I do too, you know. Um, and I did especially, I didn't even want to vote in California the first couple of years I lived here because I'm like, what does it matter? Like, you know, my vote's not going to be counted or heard. And then the Lord really changed my my mindset and, you know, began to show me that, like, we cannot be reactionary people that just whine and complain and act like we're the victim. Like, we are not the victim. Like, we have to shift yeah. our mindset and believe that we are empowered to bring change and solution. And I think that, like, it, what's interesting to me, Sean, is that we have, <laughs> and I, I found this out the hard way, you know, we have... Um, we have this seven mountain mandate. We have this kingdom, bring the kingdom everywhere kind of mandate. But when you look at the seven mountain, uh, seven mountains of society, and whether you believe that or not, like you know the the different places of cultural influence, there's one there's one place of cultural influence that literally has its tentacles in all the others, and that's the mountain of politics. It brings regulation to business. Yeah. It brings the laws to the entertainment world. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it literally affects you know, the, the way that family, the family dynamics and education and all that stuff. I mean, there's one place of cultural influence that affects all the others. But yet when you go into that mountain to look for believers, it's almost like, well, you can do anything, but be a politician. And it's kind of wild because it's, yeah, it's so true. 
you know, you look at Moses, you look at Abraham, you look at David. I mean, they were all politicians. I mean, they all eventually became leaders of their nation. And, you know, David became the king. And and in that role, you know, a uh, priest, prophet, king, like like he ex- exemplified what it's like, you know, to bring to bring God's kingdom and God's justice in that realm. And so I think it's a big we have to go through a big mind shift as believers to realize that that is a, a is an arena of society. That's a mountain that's not off limits to God touching and changing. And. We have to celebrate. I mean, we were in the Oval Office praying over the president, prophesying, you know, and, and we have to celebrate those wins. That's amazing. I don't, you know, I don't care. I mean, people were like, well, you, would you have gone if Obama was there? Of course I would have if I got the invitation. It's the Oval Absolutely. Office crying out loud. Like, you celebrate the fact that the word of the Lord and intercession and the presence of God is welcomed in those spaces, regardless of what you may think of of the person says or what they just tweeted. Oh, it's Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar was actually an evil man who wanted people to worship him. And Daniel served happily God in that space. So yeah, I think, I think just your perspective is such a, such a great one for this area because we've had some politicians on the show and they've told some really good God stories. And I think it's helped, but we've only had, I think two out of 150 episodes which speaks to like, you know, and we're curating this and trying to hit people from different you know spheres of influence, but it speaks to how hard it is sometimes to find people because we've asked some other politicians and they're like, I'm not ready to go on a Christian show and talk about it yet because I'm in the middle of my career and it can be damaging to what I'm doing. But, um, you know, like I'm, I'm being a light, but I'm being a light more like in the political space versus in the church mountain. And so I, which I totally understand, I have respect for, but I think there's something about the emerging voice. Yeah, you know, I know. Um, the voice is a big deal right now for Christianity, just being a voice, the emerging voice, not being afraid. And it's happening in Hollywood. You know, we have a lot of friends in Hollywood who, and in sports, you have a lot of friends in sports who wouldn't be as vocal before because it would cost them something. But I feel like we're coming to the point where we need to allow it to cost us something. And people will know that individually when that point is, but it also, you gain something from it because there's something, I feel like for a season, we're going to have a move of favor on Christianity because there's so much solutions in our faith. And I think in politics also, I think we're going to see a reflection of that. We're starting to see that. And I, I love some of those who are more vocal, like Mike Huckabee and others, who are so vocal about their faith in the midst of being in a political, I know he's more of a political commentary guy now, but I mean, you know, who've run for office in different ways. Do you have any God stories as far as when you were running where God showed up or or did something that like you couldn't have done? Well, I, you know, I kept praying you know, uh, as I kind of begin to research the issues and, um, you know, I kept praying, Lord, I don't know, like, like these guys are smart, man. Like I was running against a guy that, you know, heart, he graduated from Harvard law. He was been in, you know, he, he, he was the incumbent and he's been in, um, you know, in, in politics longer than I've been alive, you know, and he was Lieutenant governor of California, yeah. you know, several terms. And he was, uh, under the interior in the Clinton administration uh, in D.C. And then he's been, in, you know, in, in the state assembly of California and 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 in um, in Congress uh, for, I don't know, 10, 12 years now. But what I was realizing is that life just was not getting better in the, in that district. Life wasn't getting better for California's taxes were going up. The water issues were more dire than they ever were before. The infrastructure was crumbling. There was a D plus grade on the infrastructure on the roads and bridges. I mean, there nothing like the homeless problem was just exploding. So literally in his tenure, 
things were just getting worse. Like there wasn't, there wasn't any marker that you could look to socially, economically, whatever, that you could say things had gotten better. And so, you know, I was looking at that going, okay, well, I need to come in. I have to come in as an ambassador from heaven with some kind of solutions, right? Like take this homeless epidemic for one, like nobody has the answer to that, right? I mean, I mean, still in California, it's still the number one issue on voters' minds and and nobody has solutions and throwing more tax money at it doesn't fix the problem so i begin to ask the lord god show us like give us a solution give us a download like what a better you know a, a better representation of the kingdom of god than to actually get a solution nobody's ever got so we begin to pray and the lord began to download some different ideas and we begin to discuss you know, town hall events where we could have, you know, um, Ben Carson, who leads HUD and some of the other guys come out. And it was it was amazing, man, the response. And that, you know, I began to talk to some of my 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 uh, friends that that were over, uh, you know, urban housing and development departments across different states where they had had breakthrough. I called my friend in Dallas who was able to get, you know, most of the homeless off the street when they had, the, uh, you know, this crisis there. And he began to tell me what the things that they did. And there was a whole realm of collaboration that began to take place politically around this specific issue where God actually began to give us some amazing solutions. And so that was one of the biggest, I didn't, I just didn't want to show up and be like, Hey, I'm a Christian and I love God and it's cool. And California needs God. You know, I wanted to like actually offer divine solutions the problems that are crippling people here. You know, we began to talk, meet about the the water shortage issues. How can we develop systems to where we're actually capturing all the rainwater and it's not just going out in the Pacific Ocean? Um, And we began to look at all of the different components of the issues that affect everyday Californians. And the Lord began to give us some solutions. So it was really cool. And, you know, even though I'm not running, you know, we were able to like present a lot of these solutions that are now people are beginning to engage with more and they're beginning to bring them forth in policy proposals. So that, that to me was really cool that we were able to contribute. That is really cool. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just think it it is so cool that um, the power of conversations with people who want to see change. And I think that that's one of the beauties of politics when it's done right is that you get to, you get to look at issues like, homelessness in LA or in the whole state or water or these electric energy power, that kind of stuff. And I know having friends in just d- different areas or quadrants in those, and when they tell me some of the divine moments they have, where it's like, we presented a solution that the, the city's taking and they're not using our company to do it, but they're they're They understood the issue through our eyes and it really helped them. And I just think a lot of times when we talk about kingdom building, we think of, you know, the church expanding and home groups and right. better worship teams and whatever. But when, think of kingdom expanding when it comes to Jesus. It's the government that's on his shoulders that only grows. And that government has practical impact on the world around us, everything from agriculture to the environment, to political issues, to people groups. And I love that we're coming to that generation where we're hearing God and it can change the metrics of society, not just change the metrics for the betterment of religious people, which is so beautiful. And so I so appreciate you and that you've been doing this the whole time. Is there anything that you want to Say out there, we have a few minutes left that uh, any story or any kind of theme that you want to share about before we wrap up? Well, what's interesting is we, you know, me and my wife are praying about, you know, post this election, like how do we 
continue to steward this momentum? Like, what do we do to continue to steward this momentum? Of course, we had this massive buy-in uh, nationally from people across America. And that national attention and buy-in didn't necessarily translate in enough votes locally to, 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 for us to win. But yet, it, there was something about it that invigorated people. We had people across America and the world start to engage in politics and even people run for Congress because they saw that we were doing it. And so we're like, okay, how can we continue the, the momentum? And I got this word from somebody that sent in, we got words during this whole, during this whole season. It was really amazing. And we, we filed them all away and we continue to read and pray through them. One of the words that I got was, a was kind of this vision of me standing in between uh, two groups of people. And one was this, this kind of these forces of darkness, which were coming against the people uh, which were behind me, and I was standing in between them. And I turned around to the people, and it was kind of one of these Braveheart moments, I guess, in this dream where I turned around and I said, We have to hold the line. We have to hold the line. Mm-hmm. And as I prayed over that word, I felt like, Man, that is literally what we're called to do in this season. And so, all that to say, we launched an organization uh, called Hold the Line uh, just wow. a Go. And we we believe that our calling in this organization, at least immediately, is number one, we want to register new voters uh, that have never voted before because that can change everything. Number two, we want to educate people on the issues. We want to give an unbiased uh, and clear and concise approach to the, to, to the minefield of politics in this day. And then the third thing is we want to mobilize for specific causes. We want to mobilize people. Uh, for rallies and different things at, at different times, and so those are kind of our three our three uh, tier kind of calling in in this movement. I would love for anybody out there that that has a heart to be politically active or hasn't known what to do in the political landscape and wants to kind of join in on, on this journey with us. We would love for you guys to be a part of it. So you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can look up my name, Sean Foyt, or Hold the Line, and you'll see it pop up and. And uh, you can go to seanfoyt.com and there's a whole section on there on what we're doing with this movement. We would love for you guys to be a part of it. And I'll say this for those of you who are listening and you're passionate about starting something in your state or city or country, follow this and see what they're doing because it's the spirit behind it that you want to grab hold of. It doesn't mean that it affects you personally because maybe you're not in California or you're not in America, but follow what uh, Sean's doing because we need to see this in every nation. We need to see believers taking their God-given authority to really see Jesus glorified in this way. And I know that sounds like religious language, but it's actually real language of what we're trying to do is to see his His love and his power transform the world, which is so beautiful. Well, Sean, thanks for being on. Thanks for everything you're doing. I'm just so excited to be your friend and walk with you through this because I think it's, you know, 20 years from now, what are we going to see? It's going to be such a different generation for our children because God's raising up people with this kind of mentality and vision and scope that I feel like I haven't seen in my generation, you know, like up until now very much. And it feels like it's happening in a lot of places popping up everywhere now. So thank you so much. Yeah, man. What an honor to be here with you guys. Well, thanks for listening today. We will catch you next time. Have you been enjoying Exploring the Prophetic? Well, you can enjoy it even more by becoming a partner with Bulls Ministries. Everything we're doing with our podcast is made possible by our incredible partners and financial contributors to our ministry. They are helping us to bring the equipment, to upgrade everything we're doing, to have the time and space to do this. 
It's a free offering we give to you. Maybe you're listening in your shower. Maybe you're listening in your car, your workout. Well, I want to continue to do this. I'm going to continue to have these incredible guests tell their prophetic process of how God's spoken to them so you can get a vision of how God speaks to you and also so that other people all around the world can have this resource at their fingertips from their smart device, their computer, their YouTube, whatever they have, that they will have this this incredible resource. So go on the partnership journey with us. As a partner, you're going to receive an email and communication every month from us. We resource you with a partnership page that has literally dozens and dozens of messages that only of our partners have. We also have partnership contribution back to you where we actually give resources. You guys get stuff first. Usually at Christmas time, we have a new book come out. You guys get it before everybody else and you get it signed. I love our partnership program. I love being on a journey with our partners because they are some of our, they're a team, they're our family. They're the ones who are contributing to make this happen. Come be a partner today. Go to bowlsministries.com under giving and membership and you will become a partner. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Bowles. I want to encourage you to stay involved with us. Continue the conversation online by going to our Facebook page. Sean Bowles is our Facebook public address. Also, you can visit us at www.bowlesministries.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure to subscribe to it. It's Exploring the Prophetic with Sean Bowles.